0: Can y'all believe that boy gets nervous? I told him, I said, you ain't got a right to be nervous about anything. I mean, man, that is just awesome, isn't it? It's wonderful. Okay, I've been waiting so long to get here. So y'all turn to 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. We're going to go into this little mini-series that Pastor's calling. Uh, Of course, we're going through the whole book of Corinthians so if you're a guest with us today or you're watching by way of internet, what we do, you say, well, that's this is a funny topic for the preacher. No, it's not. It's in the Bible. And right. And we're just going through with 1 Corinthians. We do things what pastor calls expository, others call expository preaching. I give you the context. We go line by line, word by word. And I'm just going to teach you the truth, okay? And this is a great topic. And so the little mini-series, because we're going to deal with chapter 12, 13, and 14, And then we'll get to chapter 15. The whole chapter 15 is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's as good as it's going to get right there. So this will culminate into some of the, hopefully, I I pray, the best teaching. Because it's not me, but it's the Word. And the best teaching, preaching you've ever heard. Because it's in the book. Now, you've heard a lot about spiritual gifts. If you're a new believer, you may not understand spiritual gifts. And so we're going to go through this. I'm going to give you a little history lesson this morning. Uh, these notes in entirety are already on the web page. So you can go in there, chapter 12, 13, 14. If I'm not mistaken, uh, the theology of the resurrection, chapter 15, is already on there too. And so uh, I'm pretty sure they're there. And uh, you can just, it's this little section is 97 pages. So if you just want to download it to your computer, some of you are going to want to print it. It's a lot of ink, but hey, I'm long-winded. All right. But my goal right here is to teach you the truth, and so now, uh, here's where we are this morning. Brother Mike's got some outlines and things for you as we go through this. Uh, here's where we are. I want you to uh, you've got to keep your finger right there on chapter twelve. But here's what we're doing. You understand this this phrase now concerning, and so uh, I've uh, been talking to you about how we go through and we we look at things in context, and so this is kind of what's happening if you have your bible and you would look in chapter 7 verse 1 real quickly you would see that paul says now concerning many of your translations will say different things he'll say now about or now for what what's happening is paul's answering their questions that's what's going on so there was a group there that was in the church in corinth and they saw the things that were going on during the worship service and they knew this is not right so where i'm getting with this is paul is answering questions You look in chapter 7, verse 25, they had a question about virgins. And Paul said, now concerning. The Greek phrase is peri, now, or in reference to uh, peri day, uh, about the necessities you asked me for, about uh, now concerning or about the question that you ask me. And then if you look in uh, chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says, now concerning uh, meat offered to idols. They had questions about that. We talked about that, remember? And then when you come to chapter 12 in verse 1, this is where we're going to start today. This is where our text is. Paul says, now concerning what comes from the Spirit, brothers, I don't want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be led off to the idols that could not speak. Therefore, I'm informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say uh, that Jesus is not Lord, except... By the Holy Spirit. You, you, unless you're by the Holy Spirit, you can't claim Jesus to be your own. And if you claim to be a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, Paul says. Now, there are differing gifts, but the same Spirit. Now we're talking about spiritual gifts. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are differing activities, but the same God. Activities, each gift in each person. God activates every gift, each one in each person. Now, a demonstration of the spirit is given to each person man you 've heard the rest, now you 're going to hear the truth. y'all all right each person to produce what is beneficial. Now, let me go to my notes uh, in page uh, number fifteen, and i 'm going to uh, I probably should have started with this, but for our young believers. I'm a lot of times preaching for those who already know the truth. But if you were to go to chapter from chapter 12 to chapter 16, Paul says, now concerning the gifts we're taking up. So you can see what we're doing. Paul's answering questions. And so this group, now listen, this is the context. This is why I'm going to take enough time this morning to do a history lesson for you, too. What was going on in the church was not good. So there are preachers that will stand up and preach this and, and tell you this is what spiritual gifts are. Paul is, not, Paul is not saying, good job, y'all. Paul says, no, this has become mockery. We just left chapter 11 where Paul says, what you're doing in the Lord's Supper is blasphemy. Paul says, you're not doing what you should have been doing in the Lord's Supper now. And so here we come to this passage and so for those of you, I want to read you the definition. If you go online, you'll look at the notes on page 15 at the top of the page. So our young believers don't know, may might not understand what we're talking about. And here's, and I'm going to explain before we get started, so you'll be in context with, with the rest of us. A spiritual gift is a miraculous, supernatural, spiritual faculty or attribute given by the Holy Spirit to each person who receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, according to God's grace for use in the context of the body of Christ. Now, from there, I'm going to explain some other things when we get there. We've got to lay some groundwork, and we've got to get there before I get there. I'm going to give you some history lesson, and then I also want to just, just clearly let me clear that up for you. As a new believer, what you need to understand is when you give Jesus Christ your heart, A miracle happens. Number one, your whole body's changed. You're new. You're new in Christ. You're not, you didn't get cleaned up or uh, fixed up. You got changed. Paul says, if any man is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. You're a brand new creature in Jesus Christ. And the Lord literally, by way of the Holy Spirit, when you ask Jesus into your heart, that's exactly what happened. Jesus came to live not in your heart that pumps blood, but in your soul, in your mind, in your spirit. He became your master and your Lord, and with him the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. The Holy Spirit was what convicted you about the truth that you heard, and the Holy Spirit will grow you. And the Holy Spirit of God literally is a deposit, Paul says, guaranteeing what is to come. And with the Holy Spirit, what uniquely happens is Jesus, God, gives you spiritual gifts to function in the body. Now, we're going to talk about each one of those gifts. But before we get to the gifts, just hang on. Before we get to the gifts, I'm, I'm going to, Because, see, now listen, the other thing I want you to know before we get started is you and I can disagree, and you don't have to leave the church. You don't have to get mad, I'm willing to let you be wrong if you want to be, okay? (laughs) But I'm going to take you, listen, I'm going to take you by the Word of God. And I'm going to explain each one of these words to you as we go. And I'm not going to be in a hurry. And here's why this is so important. The Bible says in the latter times, that people will get so keyed in on healings and and miracles and all of that, that even the elect's going to get confused. And everything that we do as a believing body of Jesus Christ, Satan will counterfeit it. And he'll make a fake gift. And you see these foolish people, and I'm going to try to do my best to not get sarcastic and rude, but to just tell you the truth. But there's some things that you can turn on your TV this afternoon and look at those things, and it's blasphemy going on in church. It's, it's unbelievable. We're going to look at the truth of what God says about this. And I want to tell you that it is so amazing, and I've talked through this two or three times, but the older I get in ministry and the more the Lord chisels away at my heart and removes the flesh, the greater the truth gets. And he has taught me so much. And so now... Paul is saying, now concerning these things, I want to answer these things for you. And so, I would say, in my opinion, that the greatest misinterpretation, the, there is more interpretation diversity rests right here in chapter 12 and 14 than any other place in Scripture. And here's why. Because the preachers are not preaching the truth. They're preaching emotionalism. Now, listen. Listen. You saw some emotion a while ago. If you got Jesus in your heart, you're going to be emotional about it. And be honest with you, I worry how some of you all can sit there and look like a stump on a log when we're singing about the man that saved your soul from hell. That bothers me. You all I get concerned about that. So don't think that I'm saying that I don't like a lively service. But flopping around in the floor and speaking some satanic language is not worship. It's not. And, and I can prove to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that antibiotics have been a greater miracle in the lives of believers than anybody like Benny Hinn. Y'all all right? Come on. So hear me out. Don't judge me off of one sermon. We got a long way to go, all right? I want y'all to know I'm not afraid of the Holy Spirit, okay? I, I, I want to be indwelt. I want to be filled So if we disagree, we can disagree, but do me a favor, bring your Bible when you come. And we're going to go through the book, little by little. Now, let me give you some background about why Paul was doing this. Now, the historical background to this, this church was not being praised. In 11.2, when there's when there's praise, Paul says, look, look at chapter 2, verse 11. Paul says, now I praise you because you always remember me and keep the traditions just as I delivered to you. Paul says, you're doing what I told you to do. And Paul says, you're doing the Lord's Supper as I told you to, but you're doing it wrongly. You've brought in all this, and it's crazy. And now, remember, again, context, the entire context of this book. These are pagans who came to know Jesus, and they brought a lot of their paganism with them. Now, you and I do that when this day and age when we see somebody who gets saved out of the world, radical salvation, somebody turns their heart over to Christ, they come in and they don't know any better. And this is the problem of the pastors in the churches. They're not discipling their people. They're not getting the word from the pulpit. They're not getting the word out of the word. And so, therefore, people are still bringing the paganism in with them. That's why they'll continue to accept homosexuality and abortion and things of that nature. That's why they do that, because they haven't been discipled. They don't know that these things are sin. This is why when I witnessed to a young little girl at Home Depot, she says, what do I need church for? Well, if that's what the pastors are teaching, what does she need that for? I'm talking about the Son of God who can come into your life and radically change it by causing you to be born again, a new person, a new creation. Your thoughts change, your life changes. And so so Paul says, listen, now, all of this started, and many of you know this, you're aware of the Old Testament, but many people are not. So, if you've heard this before, just hang on. And you, it's good to get reminded. You can't even find your keys most of the time, all right? So, it's good to be reminded. Amen. Now, here's where we start Babylon, Babylonian, and mystery religions and their practices made their way into the church. In chapter 12 and verse 2, Paul sets the context for chapter 12, 13, and 14. In chapter 12, verse 2, here's what it says. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and you were led astray to mute idols. And in Revelation chapter 17, verse 1 and 5, says the mystery religions are mentioned there. And there they are. You can go and you can see in Revelation 1 and 5, it speaks of the Babylonian mystery religions. As a matter of fact... The great prostitute is called there uh, uh, from Babylon. And so we are going to see literally the collapse of Babylon, the big prostitute. This culture and all the things that we see today is going to collapse. They will find its destruction in the final judgment. John actually saw the words, mystery Babylon, written on the harlot's head. Now, the Tower of Babel wasn't just some cool story in the Old Testament. This is... uh, what we find in the Old Testament, that the tower is significant in that it represents man's attempt to reach God on man's terms. Nimrod's wife, you go there and read the story in the Old Testament, Semiramis was the first high priestess of the Babylonian religion, the Babel, and the founder of the ancient mystery religions. That's where this started. And What you're going to find is people who are into emotionalism And speaking in tongues that make no sense whatsoever, just ecstatic utterances. I'm not talking about a known language. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2 as we go along. The Greek word in Acts chapter 2 is dialectos. Do you hear an English word in there that you know? It's dialects. And so from henceforth forevermore, you know that when I say Brother Jerry, do you believe in tongues? I would say, I believe it's a gift that is not used today, that it can happen, but it's a miracle when it happens. And when it does happen, it's a known language unknown to the speaker. Y'all all right? Okay. This gibberish, ecstatic utterance came from the culture, the Babylonian religions, and was brought into the place of Corinth. And so I saw something the other day. The preacher preacher runs down, and his people running all over the place, jumping all over the place. And he said, let that Holy Ghost language come up out of you. And this joker just gibbered out some stuff and ran off. And then he runs off to the other side of the platform, got the whole congregation worked up, and they're all dancing, dancing. And and then the preacher says, Did anybody get edified by that? And it reminded me of when my daddy used to clip pigs. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I was like, boy, that was exciting. If you were to literally speak in tongues properly, as Paul the Apostle said, there would have been a prophet who had that gift, who would have stood and spoke a message from God in a known language, and it would have been interpreted if the folks there didn't understand that language. It, that's, that's biblically. So if you're going to do that kind of stuff, at least do it. One of the Pentecostal preachers, uh, Mark Rolfing, who I have great respect for, he tells his people what I'm telling you right now. He's a Pentecostal preacher, church of God. You all right? He tells the truth. But all of this foolishness, disorder, chaos, God's not into disorder and chaos. God knows what he's doing. And, and we're going to learn these rules as we go along. The scripture says the spirit of the prophet is subject unto the prophet. See, people that disagree with me, they say, Oh, Brother Jerry, the Holy Ghost comes over me and I say stuff I don't even know what I'm saying. Told you, the word of God. How can someone say Jesus is cursed? A person in that church had said that Jesus was cursed in one of those ecstatic frenzies. Wow. Y'all all all right? That's scary. Can you imagine being in the worship service and all of a sudden Brother Jeremy saying, you know that Jesus is cursed. We would know something was wrong, right? He's not going to do that. He's a born-again believer. What if pastor started preaching some foolishness like that? You have to be very careful. You have to walk close to God. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. John MacArthur says this. According to the cult of Ishtar, Tammuz was conceived by a sunbeam, a counterfeit version of Jesus' virgin birth. Tammuz corresponded to Baal in Phoenicia. So you see, every Place has a version, a counterfeit version of the virgin birth. Osiris is the counterfeit version in Egypt. Eros in Greece and Cupid in Rome. In every case, each one of these, the worship of these gods and goddesses was associated with sexual immorality. What did Paul condemn the church in Corinth of doing? Paul literally said, at the Lord's Supper, it turned into an orgy and to a drunken feast. Y'all all all right? When you see a cult today, you remember David Koresh, you're going to find with with that Waco crowd what was was wrong. They were having relations with small children. He controlled all the money. He said who could marry whom. It, It was disgusting. And the, the cults will do that. They will pull you away from God, and they will control your life. Jesus Christ puts the Holy Spirit in you to control you according to godliness. And so we see that these things happen. Now, you say, well, Brother Jerry, what's the, what does all this have to do with the Bible? Well, the celebration, literally, in Ezekiel eight 14, you'll see that there was an alleged resurrection, another of Satan's mythical counterfeits. Satan loves counterfeits. In the book of Thessalonians, Paul tells us in the latter days, people are going to be fooled. And this is why I'm taking this time to do the history lesson today. Some of you love history. Some of you won't. But you have to get this, that in the latter days, people are going to be led away from Christ by way of miracles and all of the foolishness that goes with that. Why? Because people are hurting. And they're at the end of their rope. And they need Christ. But listen, Dr. Rogers says, Believe in miracles, but trust in Jesus. We don't always get our miracles. It's funny that Benny, Benny Hinn can't do any miracles down at the Scottish Rite place where all the children are. It only works when the anointing comes during the service. Well, isn't that convenient? And it doesn't even come then. Those people leave there brokenhearted because their problems never go away. The celebration of Lent has no basis in Scripture, but developed from a pagan celebration of Samirius's mourning for 40 days over the death of Tammuz. And if you read the history, you will find that he was later, quote, resurrected. So, the mystery religions originated with the idea of baptismal regeneration. Why do I spend most of my time having to tell people this does not save you? It's symbolic, but the reason is because of the culture. Because of what came from, you say, well, this doesn't, doesn't matter to me. Yes, it does. What happened 4,000 years ago at the Tower of Babel affects you. Because, listen very carefully, you know pastor loves the one-liners because they're succinct and they will help you. Religion is man seeking God. And what man said was, I'm going to do this, and when I do this, it's gonna, we're going to get to God. I'm going to get my way. I'm going to God. This, I'm going to make my own way to the Lord. Christianity is God-seeking man. He came to us. He came to us because he loved us and he cared about us. But everything you would think, you would think that no one would ever even think this in this day and time. Somebody asked me recently, he said, literally said this to me. Uh, I've never been this close to a preacher before. And I've really got some questions I need answered. I was like, I like that question. He said, is there really a heaven? Do we have a soul? Does it do we go to heaven when we die? That's a great question. I said, man. It was amazing. And I thought, goodness, how could someone today literally be so foolish to think that going underwater could save you when the blood of Jesus Christ is what liberates us? But they're there, they're everywhere, they're all over. And they're out there everywhere you go. And if you'll just talk to them, ladies, you have to be careful about that. But us fellows, we, we, we should be able to witness to a stump. Y'all all right? Yes, sir. Here's where this came from, being born again merely through a rite of water baptism. That same man says, listen, we, it's preached everywhere in the country. This man said to me, well, I'm a good person. I think God's going to judge me based on how good of a person I am. And I says, well, let me talk to you for a minute. You're not a good person. I've been a pastor 35 years. Guess what? I'm not a good person. Paul says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. There is nothing good about Jerry Gray. If you see somebody say, well, you just want them holy rollers. I said, I wish in the name of my Father in Heaven, somebody would see something in my life that would make them think I was a holy roller. I wish you could see some holiness in me. And I pray that you do. But if you do, I can promise you it will be my Savior. The practice of mutilation and flagellation to atone for sins or gain spiritual favor. They also began the custom of pilgrimages. People today think if you go to Mecca, you can be saved. You can go all over this world. Without Jesus Christ, you're lost and going to hell. Which many religions follow today and they're paying penance for forgiveness of sins for oneself and for others. Did you know you're Protestant? You know what that means? That means that you were a protester. We're followers of Luther. When he tacked those 95 theses on the wall, we were saying to the Catholic Church, you can't buy your way to heaven. That's what that was all about. Now, that's a simplistic form, but he put those things there by saying the Catholic Church was selling indulgences. They were saying these people gave so much money, we're going to give them a piece of the cross that came from Jesus, and that'll save you. Or, you know, many people have asked me today, well, Brother Jerry, why can't we find just all the, the original documents? In there, You know why we don't have the original documents? All we have really is a few fragments in the book of John and other places. we got the Dead Sea Scrolls that have verified your Old Testament and all these things. But I can tell you why we don't have the original signed copies that Paul the Apostle wrote. Because people would be worshiping those documents. They would think, if I touch that, I can go to heaven. It's not the pages that are as important. It's the message in there, it's the word of God that teaches us the truth now several pagan practices were especially influential in the church at Corinth perhaps the most important and certainly the most obvious and dangerous was that of ecstasy considered to be the highest expression of religious experience, it's that way today the more emotional the more out of control I have literally seen people uh, listen, I counsel someone A few years back, that literally told me that she could put herself in a trance to worship God and get uh, sexual pleasure from that ecstasy by visualizing relations with God. That's as sick as it gets. You okay? Considered to be the highest expression, this says, because it seems supernatural. And because it seemed dynamic and dramatic, often bizarre, the practice strongly appealed to the natural man. And because of the, the Holy Spirit had performed many miraculous signs during the days of the apostles, these Corinthian Christians confused what the, uh, exactly what the apostles were actually doing with the truth of the Holy Spirit. I say, I hope this is not boring to you, but pastor's laying the foundation so that when I say things, when we get further on into the text and we just when I describe to you the truth about your spiritual gift and how God's. We're going to name them in verses nine, eight, 8 on through 14. He names some of them. There's three major passages that explain to us of all the spiritual gifts. And I really believe with all of my heart that God has given me a word for you and taught me about very important aspects of those gifts. And I'm going to teach you something that I don't know of anyone. The closest person that I've really read that has said what I'm thinking is John MacArthur. And he was really close to it. And I trust, and, and John MacArthur's a good man. I don't, I don't, we don't line up everywhere on perfectly, but we're from different denominations, and that's okay. But he's solid, and I love him dearly. He's a good man. You can trust John MacArthur with everything. So. The Greek word is ecstasy. It's a term not even used in Scripture. But it was held to be a supernatural, sensuous communion with a deity. You see where we're going? That was the term ecstasy. It literally was what this woman was doing. There's more I wish I could tell you that this person told me, but it's inappropriate for the pulpit. But it had to do with uh, a self-induced climactic experience from worshiping a deity. That's about as far as I can go. Have you ever been sitting talking to somebody and you thought, this person's demon-possessed? You ever been around somebody like that? Scare the daylight side of you. Don't scare me. I'm going to preach Jesus right down their gullet because greater who is in me than he is in the world. Y'all all right? Don't bow down to the demons. And listen, don't talk to the devil. Adam and Eve got in trouble talking to the devil, and that's why we're in the shape we're in. You ever seen people talking to God, talking about all these emotional, crazy nuts on TV? They'll be praying, and then they'll stop and rebuke the devil. They don't have any power over the devil. Just keep talking to Jesus and let him handle that. It says that the the angel Michael uh, argued with the devil about the body of Jesus. He he didn't argue with him. He said, you know, rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let God deal with him. You just leave him alone. Don't talk to him. Y'all all right? Now listen, I'm gonna say some stuff is gonna offend some people, but through frenzied hypnotic chants and ceremonies, worshiping experiences. Semi-conscious, euphoric feelings of oneness with the God and the goddess. These people experience worship this way. Often the ceremony would be preceded by vigils and fastings and would even include drunkenness. And You don't believe me? Ephesians 5.18 and 1 Corinthians 11.21, Paul the Apostle says, we just went through it last week. Paul says the people were coming to the Lord's Supper and getting drunk. The Greek word there had the the prefix M-E-T-H, meth. Methyl alcohol. And so con- contemplation of sacred objects, contemplation of sacred objects, worshiping statues, how ridiculous. Saint Anthony and the mother of our Lord, Mary, is not getting you to heaven. Whirling dances, that's the Pentecostal church today. And many, you look on television, you see the charismatics. Some of them do some crazy things in there. I saw a man on the video the other day running around in the sanctuary. was so crazy. Ran up, jumped over the platform, jumped over the pulpit, and jumped into baptistry right in the middle. Soaked coat and tie and everything right in the middle of the service. Well, that was godly. Don't do that. I'll tackle you before you ever get there. You see that old linebacker come out. I'm telling you, it's say. Incent, chants, and other such physical and psychological stimuli customarily were used to induce the ecstasy that would be in the form of an out-of-body trance or an unrestrained sexual orgy. I had a Baptist preacher tell me one time that as he prayed, he would leave his body and float around the room and talk to God while he was there. a Baptist preacher. And you know what I do. I said, do you ever bump your head on the lights? <laughs> he just looked at me. I said, well, if you're going to talk foolishly, then hey. The Bible says if you're absent from the body. I was like, what are you doing leaving your body? Yeah. If you saved. My, what's going on with you, brother? This was so bad that was going on in the church, a term called To Corinthianize was invented. And and it meant to be sexually immoral. They believed that if something worked, it had to be right. If you'll read chapter 13 of Deuteronomy, you will find that it says there that a false prophet, even if what he says comes true and, and he leads you away to worship other gods, he's a false prophet. It says, even if there's affinity involved, even if it's your family members and they say, let's go worship other gods. If my mother, my dear, sweet mother, who told me about Jesus the first time, even if she said, let's go worship another god, she's going by herself. The Bible says, even if there's numbers, you need to listen. In Deuteronomy 13, it says, even if the whole town says, let's go off and worship other gods, you stay put and Paul was trying to pull this church. It was out of his will and emotionally and ecstatically lost their minds. Paul said, don't do that. A temple to back us today still stands in the ruins of Baalbek in modern Lebanon. They're shooting rockets from Lebanon now into Israel. And there's still a statue there today. And I pray before the day's over that you'll hear that Israel shot a rocket into Lebanon and blew that statue up. Wouldn't that be awesome? One of the chief evidences of the spiritual immaturity of the Corinthian Christians was lack of discernment. If an occult practice seemed to have supernatural effect, they assumed that it was from God. If a priest or a soothsayer performed a miracle, they assumed it was by God's power. Like many Christians today, they believe that if something works, it must be good. If you'll look closer at it, you'll find out that it's not working as they say it is. Some of the believers realized that there was confusion in the church. Bless God for the remnant. Amen? People told me, oh, well, I'm I'm talking about a man who's mature in his faith. I've worked with him. I was on staff with him. He says, oh, I want to go up and see the laughing revival.'" I said, that's the most foolish thing I've ever heard, brother. And, and, and I watched a preacher on television not too long ago. As a matter of fact, it was Kenneth Copeland. I'll tell you who it was. And Kenneth started going, ha 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 That's what he did. He started laughing. It's while he's preaching, ha 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 ha. Then he went down to folks that were on the front row and he'd look at them and he'd say, hoo, 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 hoo. and then they'd stand up and they'd start laughing. He had them all trained. And then before you know the whole church is laughing and they're rolling around in the floor. Ladies with the skirts up. That's real godly, isn't it? Isn't that right? Yeah. People uh, immodest and just laughing. Now what good did that do anybody? That's disorder. That's satanic. That's foolishness. And so these people, there were some folks in the church and they said, listen, we need to let Paul know what's going on. Paul is gone. He's gone to Ephesus and we need to know that. When you got a man who has 40,000 members across town, his name's Andy, and he brings two homosexual men who are, who are married to do a conference at his church, he, let me just tell you, he's allowed the devil in his heart and in his church. As a matter of fact, I don't think he's ever saved. Let's just tell the truth. And so Paul says, listen, they, here's what they ask. Here's what they ask. We want to know from Paul how to recognize the truth of the Spirit. We want to know what's going on with the Spirit. Paul, to tell them how to determine what was of the Holy Spirit and what was of some other spirit. And if we ever needed that today, we need it so badly. And 1 John 4.1 and Deuteronomy 13 are two of the best places I've ever seen. And John, always, John tells us today that the Antichrist is already among us. So the, here's this situation. Now I want you to see the word. Pastor's going to teach you the word. You look right there. Now concerning what comes from the Spirit, that word there, the word for gifts is not used there. But sooner or later, right down here in verse three and four, he uses the word for gifts. So the word gifts is going to be there. And the word gifts, you want to know where the charismatic church come from? The word is charisma. Charisma, char- charismatic. That's where it comes from. But it's a counterfeit. And I I want to tell you, here's where I believe all this came from. I believe that people reach a certain place in their life where life gets so difficult, they can't explain in their heart why God didn't show up and fix everything. Well, I claim to love Jesus. How could he let me go through this? And so what happens is they waver, and they say, well, we've got to do something to help me emotionally get through this. And so they make things up. That's exactly where it came from. Paul says, listen, verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, the word is ethne. We get our word ethnic from that. And if you didn't know, when we talk about ethnicity, what we're actually talking about is human beings that are out there in the world of all races. It refers to the pagans. And so for we as Christians, Paul always talks about them and us. You can look at the pronouns there. In chapter 6 of Hebrews, people misunderstand that and think, well, Paul's talking about us losing our salvation. No, it's people who've never had their salvation. Paul uses those pronouns, them and us. Y'all all right? And so here the ethne, the influence of the mystery religions was making its mark on the church. If you visited this church, you would have seen people in division, they're in discord, and all manner of sinful behavior. Now listen to me. If you visited a a Baptist church one Sunday morning, you just went somewhere and you visited there, and they were fighting that morning, what would you say in your heart? How many of you would say this? Let me help you. The devil's gotten that church. Raise your hand if you'd say that. So how come you can see divisions in a church and say the devil's gotten in that church, and you go in and see all this foolishness and emotionalism and not say that the devil's gotten in that church? You see what I'm saying? Confusion had manifested itself in the worship services, even in the Lord's Supper. Some ladies of ours went and visited church. They came back and they said, Brother Jerry, they put the Lord's Supper up against the door, up against the wall, and they just ignored it. And people, as they came in, just went to the side and got it and did it themselves whenever they want to. Even the little kids who didn't know Jesus, anybody could go and just take the Lord's Supper. Disorder, foolishness. Now, I know those people. Listen to me. They're saved people. They're good people. They're saved people. But I want to tell you, they're confused. They've gotten out of the book. And so here we are today. People, I'm telling you, they will believe anything that looks like a miracle. I saw something the other day. This guy, I'm watching it myself, and he's growing this little girl's leg, and all he's doing is just pulling out her shoe like that as he's doing it. I'm like, that anybody can see that. It's like, would you please get it together? It's foolishness. We're here today. If you confront people, listen, and here's what's going to happen to pastors as we go through this. If you confront people with the truth of the Scripture about their doctrines and their emotionalism, here's what they're going to say. Do not confuse me with the facts. I have my mind made up. That's what they're going to say. And they're going to stare you down. People that are into emotionalism and that play church are setting themselves up for an enormous fall. I do believe in the Holy Spirit. If you, This last week, I want to tell you, if you knew what the Holy Spirit did in your pastor's life, he held me up. He strengthened me. Don't tell me I don't know the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God held me up through some stuff that's unbelievable. You won't know until we get to heaven what's going on. I've seen the Son of God standing between me and the devil himself. Don't tell me I don't know the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me I don't know this book. I've made a life out of studying it, and I trust it. I told that I told a man yesterday. I said, "Listen, I'm I'm not telling you something that I don't believe. I'm trusting my salvation on this book. My Jesus is coming." Y'all, all right. Now listen, why does Pastor do this? Why am I taking so much time to do this? This little history lesson. This wasn't a jump up, hallelujah. We had a great time this morning. I hope you've had a great time. I hope you understood that. But I want to read you this passage. If you got your Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 9. We're going to finish right here this morning, okay? And then we're going to point number one, the foundation, to chapters 12 through 14. That'll be your first point next week. We'll go to to the foundation. I just kind of, what I wanted to do today was say, listen, you can disagree with me if you want to, but please give me a chance. Let me finish the series. Let me deal with each and every individual thing. And if you're a young believer, I I just want you to know, God has given you a spiritual gift. And here's what you're going to find. I believe that your spiritual gift is not one or two or three spiritual gifts. I'm going to teach you something different than everybody else has ever told you. I believe that the spiritual gifts, if you have a gift of teaching or you have a gift of mercy, that may be your strong gift, but it's your responsibility. Where did, the spirits, where did the gifts come from? You're going to learn that they come from the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, you need to work on all the gifts. See, you've been told not to do that. That's foolishness. Well, the spiritual gifts and the fruit of the Spirit are two different things. Foolishness. If I've got the gift of preaching, if I've got the gift of prophecy, wouldn't it be good if I had the gift of mercy too? Am I not supposed to talk to the mercy people or use that gift? You've been told, no, you can't. Don't covet somebody else's gift. I believe that your spiritual gift is a mixture of the gifts. Paul says in Romans 12, If a man has faith, let him have faith in the measure that it was given to him. We don't, do we all have the same amount of faith? But there's some of you who have faith. My mother's main spiritual gift is faith. You can tell her something, and it's tough, and she says, we just have to trust God. That's what she's told me forever. She doesn't get nervous about what's coming up and what's going on. My mother's got faith. But she also has had mercy and compassion. She has hospitality. So uh, Brother Doug, I'm going to use Brother Doug as an example. Doug's gift is not teaching. But guess what Doug did this morning? Doug taught, and from what I understand, it was fantastic. You guys had a great time. You see, well, what? If, but Doug's gift is wisdom. Doug has a lot of wisdom. I talk to him all the time. That may be his main gift, but it doesn't mean that he can't learn how to teach. I believe your spiritual gift is a mixture of all the gifts, and it's given to you as a spiritual fingerprint. Yours is like nobody else's. And to prove it to you, I'll say this. So. I have the gift of preaching. You've heard Brother Chris Connor preach here, have you not? Chris has the gift of preaching. But we preach totally different. You know why? He has other portions of other gifts that are different than mine. And so, see, Baptist preachers say, well, now, singing and things like that, well, those aren't spiritual gifts. I was like, hold on a minute. Why can't your talents be imbued by the Holy Spirit? If you can sing the Holy Spirit, if your spiritual gift is mercy... You'll hear it in the song. That person will be. I can promise you this. When Kay plays this piano, her spiritual gift comes through that instrument. Amen. 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 And you're, and here's why. No nobody. God loves you so much that He gave you a spiritual gift that nobody else has. It's yours. And it helps you. I'm going to tell you something else people tell you. Well, you got that spiritual gift, and that's your spiritual gifts." Mine have changed over the years. If you move and go to another church body, God may need to change your spiritual gifts or the combination of your gifts so that you can minister in that body. It will be different than Wood Lake. If it came from the Spirit, it all works together. Would you agree? You've been told now, you know, don't don't get the fruit of the Spirit and spiritual gifts mixed up. Well, when I got, listen... Colossians 2, 8 through 10. Just let the Word of God answer the question. Colossians 2, 8 through 10 says, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ. Guess what the next verse says? And you are complete in Him. If I've got Jesus and I've got the Holy Spirit living in me, I have mercy, hospitality, I have preaching, I have teaching, I have all of those things. People say, I don't have the gift of teaching. And they have kids. Your kids are in trouble. If you don't teach your kids, what are you going to do? Well, I, well that's not a spiritual gift. If I got a talent, God can use the Spirit of God living in me to, to, to make that talent glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, 2 Thessalonians 2, we're going to stop. I could preach from now until 6 o'clock tonight right here. Y'all... What the hiney can't stand, the brain can't absorb. So we got to finish. all right? So listen to this. Here's why I'm doing this, okay? I want you to be aware. The coming of the lawless one. Who is that? The Antichrist. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles. Wow. Paul says... The counterfeit prophets, the counterfeit Antichrist, they're gonna come and they're gonna to try to fool you. They're gonna do it with signs and wonders. What if they really do some things that are miraculous? What if it's done by Satan? And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perish, they're perishing, listen, because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. What is the lie? Not a lie, some lie. The lie is the Antichrist is the real Christ. That's the lie. And the Antichrist is going to do miracles right before people's very eyes. The days are coming. And so that all will be condemned who hate, who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness wow see here's here's the deal John MacArthur said this when John MacArthur teaches spiritual gifts and his program goes out all over the radio stations here's what happens the people that own the radio stations call John and say John can you tone it down a little bit the charismatics are not sending their money because you're trashing the charismatics John says I'm not trashing the charismatics I'm just teaching you the truth listen, listen if I had the ability I won't tell you the most frustrating thing about being a pastor you think it'd be some kind of stress or something going on here's the, here's the hardest thing I have to do as a pastor if I had this I'd go to the nursing home this morning I would go to the hospital where Sherry and Miss Rita are at. And I'd go in there and I'd lay hands on them. And I would say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed. Rise and walk. I don't have that. I do that. And I pray for that. Listen, these false prophets, listen to me. Do you think, let's, let's just say just for a moment, Pastor. Had a gift of healing. I wouldn't get out of this room today if I could really come over here and say, "Gwen, you've been suffering with this knee problem. In the name of Jesus, be healed." And God heals you, and you're out of it. And I'd come over here and I'd say, "You know, brother Jim's got to have surgery, heart surgery." I'm come and say, "Boom, it's healed. It's done, just like that." All right. Do you think a line would form? Okay. When we get done here. I would probably be pretty exhausted. And then I'd, have, I'd go, I'd see Miss Sherry. I'd go, and touch Miss Sherry. I'd say, Miss Sherry, you rise and walk, baby. Say, and tonight I'd go home. And the word by then, the words got out. And people would be coming to my door. Brother Jerry, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter, would you just please wake up? Would you just come touch my daughter? Would you heal my daughter, Brother Jerry? Before you know it, I'd be dead. I couldn't even heal myself. Do you remember what Jesus did? He went up in the mountain and prayed. Even in his humanity, the Son of God had to to go and rest, and he lived in his humanity. Folks, when Jesus went to the grave of Lazarus, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. What did he do? He wept. You know why he wept? I'm going to raise him from the dead. He's got to die again. Jesus knew, this is not what I wanted for you. This is not what I wanted for you all. I wanted you to be healthy. Adam and Eve just messed that thing up. But there's hope. <laughs> Jesus Christ has overcome the grave. And God raised him from the dead, and here we are. He lives in my heart. And if I die, I want you all to rejoice and say, but Jerry's going to be with Jesus. He's going to be with Jesus. And, and I'm going to be healthy and well. Death is not our enemy. It's our friend. If if you're listening by way of internet today, I want you to do this. I want you to say, Jesus, I believe in you. And I pray that, God, you'd cleanse me of my sin. And I want you to be my master and my Lord. You know what happens at that? If you're serious, he will put his spirit in your heart. And with that spirit, he will give you spiritual gifts. The scripture says at least one to serve the body of Christ. And to build the kingdom until He takes us home, but you got to start there. The altar's open this morning. If you've been visiting, want to come join Woodlake? We'll receive you. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, you've been immersed by baptism, you can join this morning. You can even come and join if you haven't been baptized, and we'll get that taken care of too. Amen. And so to God be the glory. Let's stand, Lord. Jesus.